Well, I don't know if anybody in here has never been in a service when Brother Ivan has been here, but just to give you a quick, quick, brief uh, little uh, story, uh, we have been friends for over 30 years, best of friends, been around the world together, preaching everything that I talk about that we're doing with Casa Angelina, everything over in, uh, in Kenya and Nakuru is all coming from what Ivan and his family has done. We've partnered with them in life. So the mastermind behind it all, besides Jesus, is Mr. Ivan here. So anyway, but I just want y'all to know, because I know, if it, 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 how many of y'all, just, just lift your hands if you've never been in a service here with Brother Ivan. Okay, so we got enough hands that I can say this. I can tell y'all that, that Brother Ivan could be in any church of any size, anywhere in the world, but he's with us today. And it's only because of divine appointment. That's right. We're probably the smallest church he comes to. He could be anywhere, everywhere all over the world, and, uh, but yet God brought him here to us. And so I'm so grateful for that. So, Brother Ivan, come on up here and bless the people. Thank you, Pastor Robert. The mastermind. I just want you all to say that out loud. <laughs> <laughs> the master of my, that was, uh, I'm going to have to put on that on something. <laughs> uh, well, you know, the size of a church is not the size of the heart. And, you know, as you know, you're the biggest heart that we have. This is the biggest heart we have right here. And uh, my wife and my children are so appreciative the help that you give lifting our hands, helping us build everything, go everywhere, do everything. It's a very glorious thing, and I don't take it for granted. And uh, you get prayer, whether you know it or not, because, you know, I pray for you every day, especially those of you that are crazy. So it's really, that's what you're feeling when you're feeling like, okay, I shouldn't do this. I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't act like that's prayers. That's God saving your life from being crazy. But... Um, before we get to further on, let's go ahead and show that uh, video, the update for 2023. All right. Awesome. Awesome, awesome. Thank you all for helping with the, everything that, uh, that we showed you up there and many, many more things, of course. All of Africa, many other things that are going on. We are uh, starting the um, building of our vocational school. It's going to be a big project. And uh, it's going to be really the, the best vocational school probably in the whole country, no question about it, uh, to teach welding and uh, a couple of other trades. So we're beginning with that, as not all the kids want to go to college, but, you know, everyone should have a way of su supplying and supporting their family. So uh, we'll begin with that, and then some other houses there, and then, uh, you know, we go from there. Praise the Lord. I already have the plan for the next step of what we want to do, and so I'll announce that as soon as I have permission. Okay, so um, a couple of things. If you are a person that believes that your Christianity depends on education and on learning more, as you don't know everything, you know, when you get born again, you're like a little baby, and you have to educate your way out of all the different forms of poverty. And so you may be rich with money but poor with love, and so you've got to really learn 
how to be wealthy in the things that truly matter, and that requires education, and that education comes in the form of revelation. Revelation is the Holy Spirit breathing on the Bible and explaining it to you where it makes sense in your daily life. And then you have answers for why you're crazy and for why you act the way you act. And you have solutions and you can resolve things and you can cure things and you can mend things and you can repair things and you can grow things and you can expand and all the stuff that's in your life that's in conflict comes into peace and the chaos leaves your life and purpose is revealed and your mission is revealed and your calling is revealed and the purpose of your existence is revealed and you stop being selfish and living for yourself and being depressed and needing Prozac and Kojak and other things like that. And you're just constantly in a state of spiritual growth. And that is the divine purpose of the Holy Spirit. You're not going to get that without educating yourself in the spiritual mysteries of the Word of God and unveiling, uncovering the secrets of God's supernatural power that's supposed to work in the lives of humans every day. You have to be a supernatural husband to get along with your particular wife. You have to be a supernatural wife to get along with your particular husband. And you have to be supernatural to be a parent that is not going to lose the souls of your children. Because that's just, you know, because we're living in a time of war, there's a lot of casualties. And you have to educate yourself so that you can say, my children are not going to be atheists. You know, my children are not going to be agnostics. And just forcing them to go to church with you while all week long they are having the people they truly care about tell them things, and those things are becoming their literal identity. And instead of you raising them, their friends are raising them. And then you end up with crazy people in your house fighting against the workings of the Holy Spirit, which he's trying to do in them. Praise God. So these are like really important things. So find yourself revelation information and then feed on that and then the natural part of you will become supernatural. And it's only the supernatural that can protect the, your children and yourself from the evil powers of Satan that are out in public today. Praise the Lord. Go ahead and give someone a high five and say, I believe in God and the Bible and the Holy Ghost. Tell your neighbor, I believe that you're going to pay my house off, pay my car off, and pay my children off. It is the will of God. Let's all say it together. It is the will of God. So we have in the back table things that will fit into that category. 365 things your children should know before they leave your house. These are one-liners for your children to learn, plus a Bible verse. For example, I'm teaching this to my, to my grandson, uh, Zaya. He's already on number 10. Number one being obedience brings blessings. Disobedience brings pain. And so he can recite them all, boom, 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 right down the line. And so you want to do that with your children. 
give them those weapons and then explain that to them as they grow, you know. He's, he's five, six years old, so I'm really just having to learn 30 things a year with him until he's 18, and then he'll have all 365 or a little bit more all figured out. And, of course, he's already preaching and gets in front of thousands of people. It doesn't phase him. He's six years old. He grabs that mic says, i got to pray over you people. You know, 10,000 people. Uh, and then he, he just quotes Bible verse after Bible verse after Bible verse, then quotes all of Psalm 100 and ends with all of Psalm 23 and then says, if you know, if you ask Jesus into your heart, everything will be all right. It's hard to resist a six-year-old. They don't have an agenda yet. You know, they're pure-hearted. So if you're an evil, wicked person and you're like, oh, boy, you know, it's hard to resist. So a woman defined, if you want to be a powerful woman, get that book. It'll bless you. The lovable you, this is how to get you to stop being mean. And just remember, if all your family thinks you're mean, you're mean. The prophetic parent, this is how to prophesy over your children so that the word of God becomes the architect of their future and not what other people say about them. Really strong. Um, love fixes things. This is, uh, comes with downloadable CDs on there. Very powerful as, of course, love is the most important thing. And you're only as close to God as your ability to love the most difficult person in your life. So your Christianity is measured by the love you give to people who hate you. That's the kind of Christian you really are. So because I say that because a lot of what we have is religion. We do not actually have the substance of eternity living inside of us in pieces of God. And if you don't have those pieces of God, you have nothing to offer people who don't like you. Don't feel the love on that, so I'm going to go over here. Encourage myself. Praise God, Ivan. That was fabulous. I love when you talk like that. You have letters from God for children. This will reconnect you with your children. 52 character traits are principles of the spirit, which you will uh, teach your children. Uh, one per week. So let's say you're studying character and uh, you've memorized one Bible verse on character. And then there's a... Um, letter from God to your child in their language that you'll read to them every day for those seven days. And then one question for all seven days of the week, question number one being what is character, then you as a non-lazy parent that has not sacrificed your children to the technology gods will say we need to talk about character this week and what it is and how it works and you know, every day you discuss a different question, depending on the age of your children. If they're six, you won't talk to the same as a 17-year-old. And so the book lasts as long as they live in your house. So if your children are 10, you read it. If they're, if they're 20, you go over it with them. If they're 30, you go over it with them. If they're 40, you kick them out. Just <laughs> kick them out. All right. So let's go to 2 Corinthians, if you would. Chapter 3 and verse 18. For our two-part series, I'm going to talk to you about the importance of letting God knock you off your donkey. Praise the Lord. 
Turn to a couple of people and say, God's going to knock you off your donkey. I want to talk to you about why it is that not every Christian is the same and not every church is the same. And why is it that some men and some women of God seem to have the most powerful lives and last a long time? Like they don't wade. They don't, they don't become less as the years go by. They become more powerful. They, they become stronger. They don't become weaker. They don't become more carnalized. They don't become more worldly. They don't become more compromising. They seem to grow in their faith, and they seem to grow in their walk with God, and others struggle and wrestle and fight, and others simply just leave the race altogether and just go back into the world and into what comes natural for them that takes no effort, no work, no decision. And they would rather just simply give up and go out because they have nothing in them divine. And so without what I'm about to share with you this morning and tonight, without this happening to you, you're going to be a victim and you're going to not be able to say God has been good to me. You're not going to be able to say God has delivered my whole family and every member of my family is saved They're all filled with the Holy Spirit. Everybody loves each other. You won't be able to say that. There's going to be a lot, a lot, a lot of tragedy, and there's going to be a lot of heartache, and there's going to be a lot of unnecessary wrestling within yourself. If you don't want that, if you want the Christian life where you have victory and where you have joy, and you want the Christian life where you are actually helping people and you're leading people to Jesus and you're when, when, when someone insults you, you return with love and kindness. And when someone is unfair to you, you let it be. You don't wrestle. You don't fight it. You don't deal. You don't, you don't have to mess with it because they're saying something that's not true. You don't have to justify yourself because you're complete within yourself and do not require the approval of other people. If you want to be at the place where you have peace when you go to bed at night and you sleep well, and you don't have nightmares, you're not hating on people, they're not hating on you, you're not fighting each other, you're not wrestling with each other, you're not crying yourself to sleep because you're unhappy and because your marriage isn't the way it should be. You're at peace with life, and you're growing and flowing and prospering, and old things of your flesh are actually falling out of your life, and you're seeing the fruit of the Holy Spirit manifested in those areas where all you can have seen before is argumentativeness or dissatisfaction or incompleteness or different different agitating passions, different desires that you can't fulfill, different urges and impulses that are driving you, and, and you know they're not good, they're not from God, but you just can't seem to get rid of them, different mindsets, different ways of looking at people or criticizing people or If you just want what God is offering you, there's something that has to happen in order for that to happen. If that doesn't happen, then the other's not going to happen. And you're going to end up with a lot of Christian language, but your, your cake will not be there. Your bowl will not be full. You'll be looking into an empty bag. You will not have the pieces and essences of God's heaven operating in your life here on earth while you're living here. Because as long as you need people to make you happy, you're still a slave. 
And if the people you need are crazy, you're crazy. You're crazy to want approval from someone who is broken. It is an unrealistic expectation. But you can put that expectation on Jesus. And he will not disappoint you. But if you don't know how to do that, if you don't know how to get from Jesus what you need, you're in trouble. Because religion's not going to help you. Just coming to church is not going to. I mean, if you just come to church and just sit there and count the time, you're in trouble. I mean, if you don't read your Bible, you're in trouble. You know, if you don't have a daily love talk and walk with God, you're in trouble. There's no other way to say it. If, if you're on medication for depression and it's not physical, you're in trouble. You're going to need something. If it's not a chemical imbalance or something else. It's, it's emotional. It's, it's perceptive. It's how you perceive life, and it depresses you. It's your perspectives, and they depress you. Or your potential that you have inside you that's unfulfilled depresses you. Because I have found unfulfilled potential is one of the most depressing things you can have is to know you're better than what you are and you can do better than what you're doing and you can live better than what you're living. And if you're not doing it, it's very depressing. So we're not looking for religion. We're looking for the resurrected power of Jesus at Calvary. We're looking for that power to be in us in practical ways. Hallelujah. We got to have the power of the Holy Ghost in our truck when they throw the finger at us. And your natural genetic tendency is to throw the finger back and chase them down. That's your genetic father, mother, grandfather, great-grandfather tendency. And put your hand on your gun while you're doing it. You son of a mother, let's go. Come on over here. But remember, all that gets you is death and prison. It doesn't get you what you want, which is peace. Hallelujah. So 2 Corinthians 3.18, Beholding in a mirror the glory of the Lord, we're transformed from glory to glory into God's image. So what is the thing? The thing that you must do is have encounters with God. So I'm going to talk to you about 10 encounters you have to have with God. Five to this morning and five tonight. Encounters that you have to have with God. If you do not have these encounters, then you are going to become a cannibalistic leech. Seeking Jesus in other people. And seeking fulfillment in romance, love, Family, work, money, or something else. And you are not going to be able to get it. You will be miserable and unhappy. There are no happy drug addicts. None whatsoever. There are no happy millionaires and billionaires. They're all crazy. They're cold-blooded and ruthless. And you do not know the demons that visit them when they put their head on their pillow. Right? So, encounters. There is one key.
Before you can have an encounter with God, key number one, before you can have an encounter with God, here's what's got to happen. You've got to go from having a Savior to having a Lord. If all you have is a Savior, then you're coming to church to verify your ticket. The only reason you're coming to church is because you don't want to go to hell, and that's smart. Smart people don't want to go to hell. But you're just going to verify your ticket. If you want heaven down here, you've got to have a Lord. Your Savior saves you, but your Lord protects you and does many other things. The majority of Christians have a Savior. They do not have a Lord. So let's explain in simple terms what it means to have a Lord. You know what it means to have a Savior. Okay? Two simple ways to know that if you have a Lord or not. Number one, you cannot have a free will. There's no free will. Excuse me? What? What did you say? I said, if you're going to have a Lord, you give your will away. Not my will, Jesus said, but your will. I never do anything, Jesus said, unless I see the Father do it. I don't say anything unless I hear the Father say it. Otherwise, I ain't saying it and I ain't doing it because there was a lordship. So if you do not have a Lord, you cannot expect the blessings of the word of God to actually be in your life other than dying and going to heaven. You have everything positionally. Of course you do. The second you get saved, you have everything. It's all there. It's all yours. But if you don't access it, one thing to say I have righteousness and I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, which you automatically are without changing. And God gives you that imputed gift so that you can approach him and have fellowship with him. And then what is imputed becomes behavioral. Your relationship with God changes your behavior. Your accepting of God gives you righteousness as a gift. But your relationship with God changes your character. It changes your attitude. It changes your heart. And you can't get close to God as a sinner. You have to have a sheet of the blood over you. Go ahead and hug two people and say, holla, holla, baby. That's what I'm talking about on a Sunday morning. So, number one, if you have a free will and do whatever you want, as people who have a Savior do, they just have a Savior, and then they go live their lives and do whatever they want. They drink, they have sex, they lie, they cheat, they hate, they do whatever, but they come to church and verify the ticket. But then they go and live their lives with no Lord. They don't go around saying, can I throw the finger at this person? Can I knock this person out in the name of the Lord God of Israel? Can I tell my wife to go to hell? Can I throw the finger at my husband, the son of a motherless goat? Is this too personal? Am I getting too close? Because remember, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, we do not want to waste our time. And if you really love God, what I'm saying should appeal to your spirit and make your flesh crawl. No free will. I don't get to decide who I love. I'm sorry. I don't have that. Oh, you want me to love them, Jesus? Oh, God. 
Oh, but I hate him so much. Okay, well, come on over here and let's spend some time together and let me wash the hate out of you. This is actually called Christianity, by the way. It's just not what people actually practice. And that's why Christians are so messed up. That's a nice word I'm using. Right? If you own your own free will, then you say if you're going to church or not. I ain't going. Oh, I ain't going. But if you don't have a free will, Lord, join me to go to church. When is God going to tell you, no, stay home and watch football? <laughs> I'm just asking a question. When is God going to do that? Oh, no, no, don't go to church tonight. Watch football. That's what you do. That relaxes you. You got to work Monday because you don't have a Lord. You have a Savior. You left your Lord at the altar when he said to you, if you love me, do what I say. Okay? And then the second thing, we're just starting here, the second thing, how you can know if you have a Lord is you don't get to have your own private opinions. What the heck is this church? Who is this preacher? What? How did I end up here? Is this the third Presbyterian? No, I'm sorry, it's not. This is living waters here. What do you mean I don't get to have an opinion? I'm telling you that if you have a Lord, you don't have your own personal opinions about everything. You can't say, I am sorry, I don't, I ain't doing that. No, that's a bunch of, no, 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 you got to ask God first. Lord, what's your opinion on this? Because I'm going to go ahead and conform my opinion, which I have, to yours. Now, this kind of Christianity may not appeal to you. And the reason is, is because you're selfish. If you're not selfish, this will appeal to you. But if you're selfish, you have already tuned me out as soon as I said, no free will. You're just sitting there because you have practiced boxing the Holy Spirit away for so long. You've knocked him out so many times when he was trying to talk to you. Because you want to keep your free will and you want to keep your opinions. I'm sorry. It's called climbing on the cross and nailing yourself to it. Hallelujah. Go ahead and give someone a big hug and ask them if that's their original hair color or their original hair for that matter. Is that movable? Nothing wrong with that. At some point, some people's hair falls out and you've got to wear what you've got to wear, you know. I mean, I'm all right with it. I have the opposite problem. I have too much hair. I have to thin it out. But that's because it's white. And white is a sign of the glory of God. I have so much of Jesus up there. It just shoots up and burns everything off. Only the ball-headed people are wiser. And they're so wise that the hair can't even stay on their head. It just falls right out. They kill it. So much Jesus. So, are you here so far? That's the first key. Without that key, all that I'm telling you is never going to happen to you. You will never have encounters with God, and therefore you will remain unhappy and unfulfilled. And because you're unhappy and unfulfilled, you will go searching in other pastures. You're going to try a little reefer and say, let's see if this works. 
Give me some heroin, maybe a little cocaine, maybe a little pornography. That might make me happy. Maybe a little Bud Light, maybe 10 Bud Lights, maybe a little whiskey, a little Jack Daniel. That might work for me. And this is what you're going to do. Because unhappy people are always searching for happiness. Hallelujah. Look at someone says, I love Brother Ivan. I don't hate him. I'm not mad at him. It's okay. Praise God. So let's go through the five encounters of today that you're going to need to have in order for you to be the kind of Christian that looks like you're saved. Not the kind of Christian that looks like you're lost. The kind of husband that looks like you're saved to your wife. The kind of wife that looks like you're saved to your husband. The kind of parent, the kind of child that looks like you actually know God. Is that okay? All right. Well, just do a little more hugging because some of you look some cold-blooded looks I'm getting right now. Just go ahead and hug each other and say, I love Ivan. I just love him. Just we need to make it a little shorter. Now, in Exodus 2.23, this is... An encounter that you all need to have. And in Exodus 2.23, the children of Israel had been slaves for 430 years, and they never got paid. You with me on that? So they got to a point, if you read the scripture, where it says they began to groan because of their bondage. They started sighing and crying because of their bondage. And it says, God heard their groans and their sighs and came down and delivered them from their oppressors. Hallelujah. Encounter number one. As a Christian, you must have a freedom encounter. At some point of your life, you got to get delivered from reefers. You got to get delivered from gossiping. You got to get delivered from hating. You got to get delivered from lusting. You got to get delivered from, from anything and everything that puts you in slavery or bondage to any man or to anything other than God. At some point, you got to cry out for freedom. And the secret of having this encounter is you've got to get desperate enough to where you can honestly say, enough is enough. I will not tolerate this in my life one more day. That was the secret of their deliverance, and it's going to be the secret of your deliverance. And my deliverance is when we cry out to God and we say, this is it, enough is enough. 430 years of ruining my family, of killing everybody in my family, of divorces, of debaucheries, of adulteries, of addiction, of murders, of jailbirds, of prisoners, of crazy people. I'm putting my foot down, and it's not going to pass on to my children. It's not going to pass on to my grandchildren. I'm breaking the chain off of that right here, right now, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And if you never have a freedom encounter, then you're going to be bound as a believer and also as a normal person. You will believe in other religions. You will become an atheist, an agnostic. You'll become a progressive Christian. You'll become all kinds of weird, weird things. Because no man 
can see God clearly through his chains. You cannot see God the way he truly is with a bunch of chains wrapped around you. God becomes a tyrant. Life becomes hell. And everyone becomes a liar and a con artist. But when the chains are broken and you can fly and you can soar above it all, then you can see God. And then you can see life. And then your perspective changes. Bitterness does not let you see the beauty of God's love. Unforgiveness will not let you see how good God is. Hallelujah. Wave your hand and say, I need to get desperate. I need to start groaning and crying and sighing. I need to get desperate for a deliverance in my life. Because remember, anything that makes you unfruitful is a cage. You can't bear fruit in a cage. You have to be out in the open sky. That's why it's so sad to go to a zoo. I can't go to them anymore. I used to when I was growing up. I didn't even think about it. But the last time I went to one and saw that giant eagle in there, I had it. That's, I said, that's it. I ain't never coming back here again. When we're talking an eagle this big in a cage, maybe eight by eight, an eagle. And that's how God sees you. He is never going to quit until you're out of your cage. You're an eagle. You're not a rat. Praise God. Shall I go on or is this enough? Is anybody's stomach calling? Do we have any appetites that want to interrupt? Any pressing appointments with barbecue? You have to understand that with God, you have to be patient. You have to give God time. You can't put God in a time box and say, you've got 30 minutes to change my life. Other than that, I'm at barbecue. I'm eating enchiladas today. As soon as you have that attitude, God removes himself. You have to be an open book and say, God, I need help. Here I am. Do your work. Praise God. Unless you don't need help, and then, of course, you should be the one preaching. And there should be a glow on you, and we should all be able to see it. Allah, Allah. Two, very important, Genesis 32, verses 24 through 26. Jacob's, uh, the, Jacob steals his birth, the birthright of his brother Esau. This is the story. He disguises himself like his brother and gets uh, puts stuff on his arms, hair all over his body because his brother was very hairy and his dad was blind. And so when he went to him, he came with all that stuff on him and his dad said, wow, you have the smell and, and the feel of Esau, but your voice is the voice of Jacob. But it deceived his father. And then... Jacob stole the birthright from Esau. So his name, Jacob, means deceiver, surplanter. In the Bible, a name 
equals an identity. So what your name is very often is who you actually are. Jacob got sick of being a deceiver and a liar and a usurper and someone no one could trust and someone with that bad reputation. So one day an angel appears and offered him a deal. And, and, and the angel said to him, uh, let me go. The day is breaking. He said, I will not let you go until you bless me. Or I'm not going to let go of you until you change my nature and my identity. I hate myself and I need to change my identity. This is called an identity encounter with God. Where you go from that rotten person you believe you are to that prince with God. And at that point the angel said okay. And he touched his hip, dislocated his hip and changed Jacob's walk for the rest of his life. And that is an identity encounter. It's when you start walking differently with God and before people. They're not going to find you at a bar anymore. They're never going to see you throw the finger at them anymore because you're not that person. You're never going to cuss anybody out in your family again because your walk has been changed. But until you have an encounter with God, your walk has not changed. You just know about it. But it actually never has happened. You don't ever stop watching pornography until God changes your walk. You don't ever stop, you know, hating, unforgiving, holding grudges, being resentful, talking bad. None of that ever changes until you have an encounter with God and then your identity changes and everyone in town and everywhere else knows that person has been touched by God. Their walk is totally different. They were a deceiver, and now they are an Israel, a prince with God. And how do you get one? They tell us right there. You can't let go of God. You've got to hold on to God and say, I'm not letting go till you bless me. Come on, say it out loud. I ain't letting go till you bless me. Tell everybody around you, I ain't letting go till you bless me. Tell the people, I ain't letting go till God blesses me. Say it out loud, everybody. I'm not letting go until God blesses me. What area of your life is still full of garbage? What area of your life is still full of deceit and lies? What part of you still lies to people and exaggerates? How do you see yourself? This is an identity encounter, and we've got to have them. And it just doesn't happen once, ladies and gentlemen. It happens hundreds of times throughout your life. I have them all the time. Every time God says, I need you to change about that. Okay, Lord, I need your help on this one because I can't do it. I, I can tell I can't do it. This is not something I can do. And then you grab on to the feet of God. You just grab on. You say, I'm not letting go till you change who I am. Praise the Lord. Everybody lift your hands and say, it looks like you really need that. Sing it to your neighbor and say, I think you really need that. You look like you need a lot of help, oh glory. Okay. Three. Acts 9, 1 through 7. This is Paul on his donkey. 
look at someone and say, you got to get knocked off your horse. You got to get knocked off your donkey. Paul is killing Christians. And he is doing it in the name of God. He actually believes God is telling him to kill these people. And he's on his way to go kill somebody else. And he's full of rage and everything because he thinks these are heretics. This is a cult. We're going to wipe it out. We're going to just kill all these people. We're going to wipe them all out because they're against Almighty God himself. And he's riding his horse, and it says a light from heaven knocked him off the donkey. He's laying on the ground saying, what just happened? And Jesus speaks to him, and she says, I am Jesus, the one you're persecuting. Now go over there and get your act together. This is an illumination encounter. This is when God opens the blindness that is in your life and illuminates the darkness that is in your life, and you just realize, wow, I just had a complete, total change of direction for my entire existence. Everything I have been doing has been against God, and I thought it was God. And God knocks you off the horse and illuminates the path you're on, the direction that you're walking, just like Paul, and changes your destiny for all time, forever and ever and ever. Your destiny is never the same. This happened to me at 17. A young lady that I was um, pursuing gave me a book. She said, if you want to talk to me, go read this book. The book was the Bible, but I didn't know it was the Bible because it was torn, torn paper and written all over. And one thing my mother told us as children growing up over and over, never read the Bible. If you read the Bible, you are going to go crazy. You're going to grow your hair out long. You're going to wear blue jeans with holes in them and walk around barefooted with a guitar talking to the little green people. Anytime we'd pass someone talking to the people, you know, she'd say, they read the Bible. She said, only a priest can tell you what's in the Bible. So she kept a little Bible it had a pearl cover with a lock. And on Sunday mornings, she would get it out and hold it. I'd say, Mom, what are you doing with that book? Don't touch it. You're going to go crazy. It's closed. It's locked. We were so superstitious, but this is just the way it is. So I'd be mad all, the t all through Mass. I'd be mad because she'd just have that, and I'd just, Ugh. I would have never read the Bible had she told me, here's the Bible. And it opened up to 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter. By verse 5, I was weeping so loud on the side of the highway that I, it kept going for three straight hours and lasted for three straight weeks as I felt things leaving my body. At that time, I didn't know what it was. Now I know. Hell was vacating my life. Hell was jumping out because love had jumped in and my eyes were opened. I still didn't know it was the Bible 
until the following week when I went to the chemistry class and I had it on my desk and the chemistry teacher, who was a very bold Christian, saw it and did a double take. I didn't have a good reputation. He said, what is that you're reading? I said, oh, a book that so-and-so gave me. She said, I could talk with her if I read it. But stuff happened, man. It's magic. There's magic in this book. What is this book? He said, that's the Bible. And I almost went into cardiac arrest. <laughs> I just went. Gur, 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 gur. What? My mother told me something that's not true. Not that she lied. She didn't lie. She believed it. So I went home and I showed my mom the Bible and she ran out. She ran out of the room. What are you doing reading that book? You're going to go crazy. And then I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Three o'clock in the morning, I get baptized in the Holy Spirit in my room. And she comes in. She opened the door and I go, and I mean, she, she goes, he's lost his mind. Took three years, but after loving her for three years, she tells me, the only time I sleep is when you hug me. That the last time you cried all over me, I slept for three days. She said, I got to have what you have. I got to lead my little mamacita to Jesus. You're not mean by accident. You just never met God. Humanly, you can be born nice. My mother was the nicest human being. She never raised her voice to me one time or criticized me without being saved. But God will bring you to a breaking point. He will send someone to offend you that knows exactly how to push your buttons and drive you to murderous ideas and thoughts. Because without God, you are wicked. An illumination must take place. Or you can never see what you really are and what God really wants to do with you. Hallelujah. Look at two people and say, man, Jesus. Now, let's go to the next one. This is John 4, 13 through 26. The woman at the well. This is one of the most important encounters you can ever have with God. What time is it? That's what I was hoping to hear. Thank you, Jesus. Keep going. Don't stop. We don't care about food. We're Christians. Plus, I've been eating while you're preaching. I brought lasagna with me. <laughs> okay, so here's the woman at the well. Let's analyze. So the woman meets Jesus. Jesus says to her, hey, go get your husband. She says, I don't have a husband. She says, he says, yeah, you're right. You've had five. Five. And the one you're with now, you haven't even married. Now, I'm going to ask you ladies a question. Are you serious? What kind of a woman? marries five men. I'm asking questions. What sane human woman would marry five 
five. This woman was searching for something. And she was so dedicated to that search and so determined that the search was found in other people that she just kept trying. After five, she started losing her belief. She said, I don't think we'll get married this time because it's been five. Maybe, maybe I can't really find what I'm looking for. This is called a happiness encounter. This is when you find Jesus as your happiness. Until Jesus is enough, you are always going to keep trying to search for something else. Until Jesus is enough, you will always be unhappy. Your husband will not make you happy. Your wife will not make you happy. Your children will not make you happy. Your grandchildren, for sure, yeah, yeah they'll do it. But, but <laughs> you're not going to be happy because God has built you, whether you like it or not, with a black hole in your soul. It is like a black hole out in the universe. It sucks in everything and ends up with nothing. You're not going to be happy with any woman you marry, maybe just for a couple of days. Especially if whoever you marry lies to you. And then when you marry them, you find out, wow, why didn't you tell me you were crazy? I wouldn't have married you. And why didn't you tell me your feet look like that? I would have never married a person with that second toe shooting out three or four inches beyond the other one. That's illegal. We're going to have surgery on that right away. You want happiness. Isn't that what everybody wants? Isn't that the mantra of the whole world? And is there anything wrong with wanting to be happy? God put it in you to want to be happy. There's nobody here that says, I want to be miserable. I want to be miserable. I want to be depressed. I want to be crazy. You don't hear people on the corner, give me some reefers. I want to hate people. They smoke because they want to be happy. They take cocaine because they want to be happy. They take heroin because they want to be happy. They go from person to person because they want to be happy. They, they pursue money because they want to be happy. Because they give them a little bit, just a little bit, for a few seconds maybe. But it all washes away because of the black hole. So how you get happy is by marrying Jesus and making him the center of your search. Search him. Search for him. Learn about him. Walk with him. Get to know him. Make him the center of your existence and happiness will follow. Come on, everybody, wave your hand and say glory to God in heaven. Praise God. Tell two people around you, that's what I needed. And our last one for this morning at uh, 12.03. That's not too bad for a visitor, visiting speaker. That's not too bad. Our last encounter 
You're going to find this in John chapter 5, verses 9 through 11. You ready? Here is the man who has been sick, ladies and gentlemen, for 38 years. Any of you had a cough from COVID or anything like that that lasted a long time? My, my son-in-law, not my son-in-law, my, my, my grandson, Ethan, had got COVID and he got a cough. And a cough lasted for a year and a half. Till I took him to some friends of mine. They gave him stem cells and it left. Boom, gone. My daughter Bethany, one year of coughing, same thing, gone. My wife, arthritis in her hip for five, five years, pain every day. In 30 minutes, gone, hadn't come back, three years. Why am I saying these things? Because we have to have a health encounter with Almighty God. We are a sick we are the sickest people on earth. We are. High blood pressure everywhere, all kinds of mental problems, emotional problems, diabetes everywhere, all kinds of stuff. This person was asked by Jesus, what do you want me to do for you? And he didn't answer him right away. He started giving reasons why he's not healed. He said, what do you want me to do for you? He says, I want to walk. He says, rise up and walk. And God healed him. Ladies and gentlemen, please understand what I'm about to tell you. We are living in a revival of healing that is starting all over again. It has gone around and now it's beginning again. More miracles and more healings. But the healing that has never happened is a health healing. We have had miracle healings where people get instantly healed of something. But not a health healing where people live healthy and I'm just as guilty as everyone but I'm just saying we've got to have an encounter with God at some point where your health is no longer your enemy somebody may think you're healthy because you don't have anything and you're young oh no 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 you're going to get to a point where that hip's going to shoot out and go ooh what was that unless you you know you're going to go wow what's that man some, something happened right there. What's this called? That's sciatica. Sciatica? What is that, a foreign thing? <laughs> yeah, when you're young, you can stretch in all kinds of ways. Nothing happens. Wait till you hit 65 or 70. If you're not in proper shape and all that, and, and not to mention what, what eating enchiladas will do to you at 65 or 70. You just can't eat enchiladas at 70 years old. You're going to be burping all over the house. You're going to have diarrhea everywhere. You're going to get constipated constantly. You're going to have to take all kinds of multi-fibers, multi, uh, which are going to clog you more. Then you're going to take some Pepto-Bismol, which is going to make you, make you drunk in there. And There has to be an encounter with God for you to live the life God wanted you to be with health. And there are people that God has already raised up that know how to be healthy. You've just got to decide to ask for it. Jesus said, what do you want me to do? All you have to do is cry out and say, God, I want to be healthy. And God will send you the healers. Because it's not saying, if you're a diabetic and you eat a pie, 
You're going to go into a coma. I had a preacher friend of mine, a famous preacher. I won't say his name. Famous preacher. He was a very radical diabetic. Many preachers tried to help him. A famous preacher locked him up in his house and kept him in there till he got off all sugar and everything and got him all normalized. As soon as he left, he went and bought Twinkies after three months. And when I saw him, he had Twinkies sticking out of his pocket. And he died the next month at a young age. It's time for not just one encounter, but many encounters with God. Hallelujah. Turn to somebody and say, I'm sure glad he talked to you like that because I didn't, I didn't need anything. I couldn't relate. Turn that music on. I couldn't relate to anything. Praise the Lord. So we have given you five. We'll give you another five tonight for those of you that believe in coming to church more than once. We will be here and minister to you as Pastor Robert has gives us the privilege of being able to do it, Mem different members of my family, which I, you know, don't take lightly. He doesn't have to let me preach. We are in a time of war. And Christians need to start having encounters with God. If you're going to be able to win the war you're in, in the United States of America, and on every level, you're going to have to be weaponized with these encounters because they are going to add to you the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. Once God circumcises your heart, you are never the same. He takes his scalpel and he cuts away the thing in your heart that can partner with your destruction. So close your eyes for a moment of privacy. This is privacy. This is just being alone with God in this room. All wise decisions lead to some form of health. All wise decisions lead to some form of health. Is there someone you have to forgive? Perhaps you have to forgive yourself. In order to get anything from God, we have to make ourselves available to the Holy Spirit. All I'm going to ask you to do as we go into this time of healing right now is when I mention what you need, simply stand up and receive it from God. The standing is a public admission that you are receiving your healing from God about that issue. If you need to forgive someone, even if that someone is you, I want you to stand to your feet. Stand for just a couple of minutes and then you can sit down again. Standing is simply acknowledging, I need to do this. That's all. Then you can sit back down. Perhaps your walk with God has not been very good. 
if God was your wife or God was your husband, how would they feel about the time you have spent with them? And if God is speaking to you and telling you, you need to accelerate your relationship with me, I want you to stand to your feet just for a couple of seconds. Just acknowledge it before heaven. Let heaven know I need to, I need to do this. And the third thing is if you're there and you say, oh God, I need a breakthrough. I need an encounter with you. I need you to touch my life. As Pastor Robert said earlier, I need you to touch my life. If that's you, I want you to stand. And just acknowledge before heaven. Say to God, look at me, God. I want to have these encounters with you, and I want to have a real relationship with you, and I don't want to depend on anyone else for my happiness. I need you to illuminate my darkness. Show me how to be in the places I know I am not like you. And you may be seated. With your eyes closed, may I ask you this question? Is it possible? Is it possible that you are not 100% sure that you're going to go to heaven when you die? What if you were honest with yourself this morning as you sit out there and you would say, if I died today, I am not 100% sure that I would go to heaven. And if you can be honest with yourself, you'll begin the healing of your life. And all I'm going to ask you to do right there where you're sitting If you say in your heart, I want God to put the assurance in my heart that when I die, I will go to heaven. If you're going to say that, if you're saying that, if you want that, if you want God to do that, then what I want you to do, a simple thing right there where you're at, if you say, God, I want you to put in my heart that assurance because I want to go to heaven when I die. If that's you, would you stand right now? Stand up to your feet right there where you're at. And then I'm going to pray for you. And God is going to do a miracle for you. Thank you, Lord. Now, those of you that are standing, would you look at me? Let me lead you in a prayer. I would like your permission. May I have your permission? May I have your permission? May I have... I'm not going to make you say anything. Jesus said these words. If you're ashamed of me in public, I'll be ashamed of you. But if you're not ashamed of me in public, then I'll confess your name to my Father. It's really important to do something like this publicly. So what I want you to do is come out of your seats and walk up here to the front. 
and let me lead you in this prayer. Please give them a hand as they're coming. Anyone, and you ought to clap like your mother's coming up here because it's a big deal. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. A person's soul is the most valuable thing that they own. Nothing, nothing is as valuable as your eternal soul. And while you're here on earth, you have control over that. But when you die, your control ends and it reverts back to the Creator. And then He determines where your soul will go. Free will ends at the grave. So I'm just going to ask one more time. If you do not know you're going to go to heaven when you die, if you cannot say I'm 100% sure, I'm going to ask you one more time. Do something intelligent. Come on up here. Leave your seat and come on up here. And say, I should have gone up Come on up here in front of everybody. Because to God... This is life. This is the purpose of living. It's for these men and women to be at peace with eternity. Whether they're saved and have doubts or whether they're crossing the bridge for the first time or even coming back to God, whatever the case may be, I want you to pick one of them Stretch your hands out towards them as a sign of your blessing. And then I'm going to lead them in a prayer. Two things are about to happen to you. One, everything you have ever done, everything, no matter how evil or wicked you may think it is, Jesus dying on that cross paid the price for that evil, wicked thing. The price is paid. There is nothing you could do that God cannot forgive. That is the first thing. The second thing is when God forgives you, he gives you a second gift. And that gift is he makes himself forget what you did. He deletes it from his memory and cannot remember it ever, ever, ever again. That is the beauty of today. The beauty of today. So you're going to have to forgive the people that have damaged you. And secondly, you're going to need to forgive yourself. Those two things have to happen. You don't deserve your forgiveness, but God's going to give it to you. And now your free will belongs to him. And he wants you to forgive people. He wants you to forgive yourself.
Otherwise, Christianity does not work. Simple as that. Is there anyone else that wants to come forward before I proceed? Anyone else? Would you stretch your hands then? Find someone here. And let's all pray it together. Dear God in heaven, I repent for the things that I have done that I am ashamed of. I am so sorry. Will you now, Lord, wash me clean in the blood of Jesus Christ? Will you, dear Lord, come into my heart and stay there for all eternity? Will you, dear God, write my name in the Lamb's book of life? Will you, dear Lord, erase all the doubts in my mind and give me assurance and confidence in what you're doing in my heart today? I forgive all those that damaged me betrayed me, abused me, and hurt me in any way, I forgive them. And now, oh dear God, I forgive myself. And I want to start out brand new with no doubts. And as a child of yours, I'm going all the way in following and loving you because I'm going to heaven when I die. I'm going to heaven when I die. Hallelujah. Would you guys do me a favor and turn around for just a moment? Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, would you celebrate the good choice, the wise choice of these men and women that want to go all the way with God? They want to know God, they want to serve God, they want to walk with God, they, they want to be healed by God, they want to be delivered by God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, and in Jesus' name. We celebrate you all and bless you today in Jesus' name. God bless. You may be seated. Give them a hand as they're seated. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, everybody. Let's give Jesus a big hand. Let's praise him for a little bit. Let's say thank you, God. Say, Lord, I want to know you. I want to encounter you. I want to have a relationship with you, Jesus. I want to be like you, almighty God. And praise your holy name. Here's your pastor, Pastor Robert Richards. My friend. My dear, dear, dear friend. And I'm so honored to be here. And you are the biggest hearted church in the world. God bless you and Merry Christmas, and we'll see you tonight at 6 o'clock. Praise God. 6.30, but you can come at 6. Praise God, and we'll fellowship and have a good one. Amen? Well, I mean, so I don't know about y'all, but I can guarantee the way that you want to get connected with Brother Ivan, you need to get books, you need to give, 
You need to support an orphanage, the orphans, you know, monthly, uh, whatever. You make a connection in the anointing that's on his life, because I know him. And, and I, I've seen and, and, and know what God has done in his life. You want that in your life, you got to make a connection. Amen? And so we're going to give you an opportunity. You can give. So ushers, help me right now. Uh, we'll take up another offering tonight. But like I said, the books are over here. The, do you still have the cards that you do for like the monthly deal on the orphans? Or? Okay. So, uh, but you can do that by giving to the water hole, and that's what we send down. And... Uh, Praise God. So put your hand on your offering. Father, I just thank you that we get to be able to make a connection and, and sow into Brother Ivan's life and the ministry and what you've done with him, Lord. These points, these messages, these five things to us, Lord, we want it in our life. We want to have a greater encounter just like God you've done in him. And so, Lord, we sow into the ministry. We rescue, help rescue orphans. We just bless, Lord, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. So. Uh, 6.30 tonight, bring somebody, go find somebody this afternoon, say we found the craziest guy in the world, we want you to come up with us and see how crazy this guy is, and uh, bring them, rope them, Tom, if you got to, man, just hog Tom, put them in the back of the truck, bring them in here, keep them gagged, we'll turn it loose at the end of it, I'm sure they'll be saved and love Jesus, however we got to get it done, amen, and so stand up. And uh, as they're passing the buckets around, let me bless you, Father. I just declare that these are the most awesome people on the face of the earth. They're hungry for you. They're godly. They love you. And, Lord, we just want to grow with you. I thank you for their hearts. I thank you for everything you're doing in their lives. And I ask you to bless them, Lord, this afternoon with a great nap in the Holy Ghost. Let them have a revelation of you, Lord, in the middle of their naps. And bring us back together tonight, Lord, for another Holy Ghost meeting in Jesus' name. Amen.